Welcome to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline, and I am joined by my lovely, esteemed, perfect, Mary-Kate and Ashley Cardigan-wearing co-host, Rebecca Botter. Hi, Madeline. How are you? I'm, I'm so sorry. My manager is calling me. Okay. I'm, I'm I declined the call. I declined the call. Wait, are you sure? What if he has big news that we can break live on the pod? Okay, I'll call him back. Sorry about Y'all, that. <laughs> we just had so much breaking news that just <laughs> happened right there. You guys just missed a super, super important conversation. Am I, I, I will probably need you to like, at the end of this recording session, tell me, Maddie, you can do it. You can fucking do it. Because I am feeling a little like, I can't do this. You can totally do this. I'm overwhelmed. No, that makes sense. But do you know who is never overwhelmed? Oh, Miss, Miss, I mean, Barbie. <laughs> Barbara, Barbara Robert, Bar- Barbara Walt Roberts. Barbara Millicent Roberts. Hey. All right, babes. Do we want to talk about our loneliest part of the week? Yeah, let's, let's quickly dive into the loneliest part of the week. My, my loneliest lonely girl moment, I would say, happened freshly last night. Um, I went and I walked to this um, hotel bar that's nearby. It's very, very cute. It's very, you know, 1920s art deco. Um, and I sat at the bar and I drank a cocktail called the Eden. And I ate some happy hour chips and artichoke dip. And I did my little crossword puzzles on my phone um, and listened to people have conversations and and try really desperately to connect with one another. Talk about angel numbers. That was a really interesting. I love hearing people talk about angel numbers. It really like locks me into specifically where they're at in their spiritual journey. What I have no idea. What oh, that is. well, let me tell you because I Googled it. If you like all the time, always see like two, two, two everywhere. You're like, everywhere I go, I'm just constantly seeing like two, two, two. It's because your angel guardians are like trying to tell you something. It's like a message for you. Mm. And so you can look up specifically what two, two, two means. I'm not, I don't think there's anything tied to this spiritually. I think it's just my brain is sort of like locked into noticing it, but I see one, two, three, four all the time. Like okay. I'll, I'll always like look at the clock and it'll be like one, two, three, four. It'll be 1234. And uh-huh. I usually, and I think it might just be like my internal clock is now just like so uh, r- r- regulated to the point where I have to look at the clock every time it's 1234. But apparently um, that means that I'm just like on the right path and like whatever I'm doing, I need to like keep at it. Mm. which is I, such a bummer because I was really thinking about ending it all. And then I saw my angel numbers to, uh, to uh, tell me to like keep on the path of whatever. Mm. I think that's wonderful. I don't have any numbers. I, I, I don't know. In high school, 
that's what makes you beautiful from one direction would come on a lot. And I felt like that was God talking to me. So actually that's really, and that is camp. (laughs) (laughs) The songs that God sings to you, that's That's um, camp. That's camp. That's, that's a whole (laughs) musical in itself. So that was my, that was my lonely girl moment. And then um, I will to cap off the lonely girl moment. I just felt I just was experiencing. I'd I'd um, I've received some news about a, a development, um, and it and it left me feeling um, silly and empty um, in a very lonely girl way. And then I walked back home and was like, "Wow, I feel so bad. Like, what? Oh my gosh, I'm like really taking this news hard." And then I realized that the spinach artichoke choke tip was like not good and I spent the whole night puking so so that was what I was doing last night anyways let's talk about your loneliest moment let's do it okay so I it actually makes me a little happy now that we do this Madeline because I was having this awful stupid moment and I was crying on the phone with my mom but (laughs) (laughs) crying on the phone with my mom but also a tiny part of me was like check like I found it here's the moment um so I was house sitting for a beautiful friend of mine she made some keys and I had my key that she had made me and um it wouldn't unlock the door. Mm. So as I've probably mentioned, it depends on when we release these episodes. I'm really insecure. And one of my big insecurities. What? <laughs> I know. you're going to tell me you lived in London. I, Madeline, I, I did. <gasps> I did it actually. What? I, I like know. We need, like, I feel like we need like a very faint, like, um, God save the queen, like just mm. like faintly playing in the background, just to see. You're gonna have God to get all these audios because you keep I will. pitching all these audios. I will. I'll do it. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll make Good. it happen. <laughs> so I'm really insecure about being stupid because I had only grown up with one door. That some doors, like you kind of have to like fidget the key and kind of like mm. pull it a little in and pull it a little out. I'm really insecure about being stupid, so I couldn't figure out how to unlock the door. And I have unlocked her door before. But I called my mom crying and I said, because like I sometimes stupid tasks, I can't figure it out. And I was and I was like, I'm too stupid to unlock this door. And my mom had to tell me, um, a s- s- kind of smart person, yeah. no, Rebecca, you are smart enough to unlock a door. And I was crying and I was like, no, I'm not. Um, and this was like a true moment and my poor, beautiful mom having to tell her 27 year old daughter Mm. that she's smart enough to unlock a door, um, was a true low moment. And I've been so excited to tell you about it. I do think moms, I mean, shout out to moms forever, but I do think Mm. moms tend to be the creators of, of lonely girls. Mm-hmm. I do think um, moms can really shape a lonely girl identity. Um, and oftentimes we learn to be lonely from our mothers. I was just about to say in middle school, I would come home and say, mom, and she go, was it the worst day of your life again? And I would say yeah. yes, because I was sitting alone at lunch. Very lonely girl. But um, but my mom was 
so lonely growing yeah, up. My mom is incredibly lonely. My mom is in my mom is the type of lonely that's like I would say is 80% not even in a bad way, in like mm-hmm. a delightful way, is in like her own world. Like my mom combats her loneliness just being like in little Chris land. Mm-hmm. And she's I, like, isn't it magical? Isn't aren't the puddles on the ground just uh, is there another world in that puddle, Madeline? And I go, Mom, I'm I'm dying of heartbreak, but sure. <laughs> what Enneagram is she? Uh she's a six, but I think if she hadn't been traumatized as a child, she would definitely be a four. Okay. Yeah, that's very four. My mom just was so lonely growing up bless her heart, she didn't realize this wasn't the normal Mm. childhood experience. And I felt very safe and happy with my family. Yes. So she realized I was lonely, but she thought that was normal um, to the extent I was. And um, that's my little story. I have been hysterically crying on the phone all week. And Madeline, as a sick person, got to just get my stream of consciousness. I was on the – I was – because I wasn't in my own space, I'm an introvert, and I've now learned I can't recharge. Even if I'm alone, I have to be in my yeah. space. Yeah. So I didn't recharge for a week. Okay. This is a really great segue. What, um, Maddie, what was your introduction to Barbie? I think Barbie's sort of always been there on my mother's side. My mom is one of four girls, and she is the second youngest. And so by the time I was birthed into this world, I had like 17, not that many, like five um, older, gorgeous cousins who are just like the coolest, most gorgeous beacons of style and femininity that um, I could have been graced with as a child. And so I received hand-me-downs in every way, shape, and form from them, from clothing all the way to toys. And so Barbie was really uh, like, I was given a, 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 a just a box of tarnished, trashed, halfway gnawed Barbies to sort of act out um, a, a menagerie of scenarios from as early as I can remember, courtesy of my gorgeous cousins. What was your, this just came to mind, what, when you imagine Barbie, because for me, I imagine it was a Cinderella, so her bun had been up, but then it came down, so she had this weird, puffy Marilyn blonde thing, and then there was this gold mermaid, kind of like that crinkly, weird fabric that just goes on a Barbie, or like an 80s thing. Yes. And she would wear that, and she had her very chic black choker. Oh my when gosh. I imagine my Barbie collection, that is really the one I see. What was your Barbie? I'm trying to think. Okay, so like I feel like when I think of Barbie, I think of like a naked Barbie. My mom was very fine with the customization of Barbie dolls in our house. So Barbie for me was always like getting haircuts and like getting tattoos put on her and like coloring on clothes and like making little scrap or like paper, I don't know, outfits for her. Barbies, I think I played with them more. Some soap opera could have spied on me and taken some. Actually, I think Barbies lost their memories a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I so in preparation for this, I did a yes. little bit of like just a little tiny little um dive into the psychology of playing with dolls specifically. So play and childhood psychology. Um there's like of course a thousand million benefits to play, but I was really interested in what specifically dolls represent. Um and um very recently, a team of researchers from Cardiff University has used neuroscience for the first time to explore the positive impact doll play has on children, bringing to light new evidence that doll play activates brain regions that allow children to develop empathy and social information processing skills, even when playing by themselves. So when you're playing with dolls, either by yourself or with others, you are projecting feelings onto others. The The doll is perhaps like a vessel for conflicts, conflict resolution, um, excitement, adrenaline, dopamine. But you are often imagining how one person feels and in relation to how this Barbie doll's actions within the context of your story um, is making the other Barbie doll feel. That's a, such a piece of information that as soon as you say that, it's like, well, duh. Yeah, you know? right? But I, but I like never – but it's so true because you never just have playtime where it's just like, oh, everything is fine. It's like, oh, my gosh, the baby's crying. Yeah. Or – or my, like, you, you stole my boyfriend. Or yeah, they're my getting dolls married. Always losing their memory. Yeah. Um, dolls are a really great way of, even if it's them playing by themselves, even if it's mm-hmm. you entering in as the parent, I think it's really, I've spent a lot of time around children mm-hmm. um, and a lot of like doll time, like yes. doing doll time with kids. <laughs> and like dress up absolutely. Uh, is a key sort of factor in developing like social skills and and sort of imaginative play. But there's something really different uh, about it not being you. It's the doll in your hand. In, yes. And in a way is it allows your little child brain to detach um, how you feel and then how another thing slash person feels you're personifying and then it's thing. like conflict yeah no i think that is so different so doll this play is-, is really important and there's mm-hmm. something really kind of i almost said iconic <laughs> there's something i would say kind of game changing about barbie because she was the first adult doll to be marketed to young girls and completely revolutionized the way that girls were able to um, sort of test out uh, their their more like older, fully realized selves and Mm. who they wanted to be and how they wanted to experience adulthood. From, like, the early, like, B.C., they found remains of dolls. Like, dolls have always been a part of – it's always been, like, probably one of the first toys. Yeah. Besides, like, sticks. Okay, so with the Barbie verse, so now we've talked about the doll Barbie. Doll Barbie. The Barbie video uh, computer games were 
one of my favorite parts of my childhood. And I would just restart them and I would play them over and over again. Barbie PC games, very important to me. Barbie as doll, less important to me. Same. But still important overall in the sort of peaks and valleys of Barbie as an entity. Barbie the doll was in a sort of decline right around the time that we were uh, children. And so in order to reintegrate Barbie into the cultural zeitgeist, Mattel decided to uh, start uh, turning Barbie into a a film enterprise. The the best part of the Barbie-verse. The Um, best part of the Barbie-verse. The Barbie cinematic universe. I I think... Maddie's going to be bringing us in. I just want to say this is a great example of how our research is very different. Yeah. You hear Madeline talk about like research and like people and history. <laughs> and my research style <laughs> is endurance. I and all and I will say that's really valuable to me because I have the attention span of so I, uh, for my research for Jane Austen, I listened to a 14 hour biography for my research for the, uh, mm, 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 our secret garden. Yes. Franny Fran. I listened to all the books. I listened to her three most iconic books, which was about 14 hours. And for this one, I listened to an 18 hour pop podcast. It's called the Colt Popshire podcast. This morning I was listening to the final three hours on um, 1.5 speed and I got through it about 20 minutes before the record and it's two New Zealand men reviewing every single Australian. No, I lied to you. (gasps) I'm so sorry to all the Australians. Um, and they were, they're New Zealand comics and they talk about every single Barbie movie ever. Barbie movie ever. Anyone interested, listen to their ones with Guy and Tim from The Worst Idea of All Time, who also specialize in endurance. Mm. They reviewed, uh, they watched, what is it? Not Grown Ups 2. Grown Ups 2 every uh, week for a year. Yes. And um, and so this one, they, they come on and it's in episode one, but I listened to it for 18 hours. I will say the first beginning of it is better but yeah then they like kind of get too personal throughout it and i got like guys I also so much think, respect i do think unfortunately and i i genuinely genuinely okay maybe like a maybe a 60 40 split there is definitely nostalgia influencing this but i do mm. think there is kind of a decline in the barbie films in terms of like maybe not necessarily quality but i would say core understanding of like who barbie is and like what she does um that has happened over the years i thought barbie was a much more fully realized just essence Mm. in i would say the first third yes of the barbie uh, cinematic universe films we're talking about are Barbie Nutcracker, Barbie mm-hmm. Magic of Pegasus, Barbie Swan Lake, Barbie Rapunzel, Barbie Princess, Princess and the Popper. In the Popper oh, is so. I just watched it for the first time and it's, it's so good. It's I like we're gonna eventually maybe talk about dream casting. I yeah. would watch yeah. that live action 
The only problem is, is I don't know who is good enough to play Barbie in Princess and the Popper very specifically. Oh, I but think it would have to be like it's okay. very sexy. Within my findings, I found that across the board, Barbie Princess and the Popper is number one on everybody's list, and it it does sort of like if like the best Barbie movie besides Princess and the Popper is like here. Mm-hmm. I'm holding my hand right above the mic. Barbie Princess and the Popper is here. Yes. I'm holding my hand above my head. Like it just sort of, it's in its own category. It's in its own pantheon. Nothing can compare. Do you want to take us into the metaverse of, of Barbie? This is the thesis for every episode. Who is Barbie and is Barbie a lonely girl? Yes. And I would say, a spoiler alert, I do not believe that Barbie is a lonely girl. I don't know if Barbie is really a girl. It's kind of like 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 acting in like a Christ-like way. Yeah, but like oh, we, I I think Barbie is Christ. Like, I think I, like Barbie is Christ. Like because if you t- asked me to name a flaw of Barbie. Name me a, a Barbie's. Ma- name me a flaw of Barbie. None. Exactly. And it's like even though she's, some people might be like, mm, "Well, Barbie's perfect, like too perfect." But and I'm like, "No, but she's but, not." But she, yeah. And it's okay. But here's the thing. This was like our problem with a little princess, mm-hmm. um, y'all. In the in the Franny Fran episode yes. is, um, Sarah Crew had no. Uh, personal development and that mm-hmm. pissed us off. Yeah. Do you think Barbie? I believe she does because she always starts with a flaw of like, I'm too shy to sing in front of people. Yeah. Or like, that's usually something like that. Or like, I don't believe in myself. I don't believe or, like, in myself. It's sort of, it's not necessarily overcoming a personal defect. It's sort of like embracing a version of you that already exists that you mm. can't tap into she is sort of like the spiritual guide of girlhood and even within the barbie films and we can talk about this we start off each film as like a frame narrative where typically kelly her little sister and honestly maybe this is why we love barbie so much because we are famously big sisters mm. Kelly is dealing with, like, a very real problem. Kelly's not a lonely girl. No. But she's she's got some shit going she's on got- usually. <laughs> and that's fine because she's probably a toddler or maybe 12. I do not know. <laughs> I do not know what age Kelly is supposed to be. She looks very young, but then she has, like, kind of older person problems. Yeah. she Like, her proportions are that of a three-and-a-half-year-old, mm. and her problems <laughs> are that of, like, a 10-year-old. Or, like, 13. I have I, a honestly, 13, 14-year-old sister. I, and your sister th- is quite – she's quite exceptional. So. Well, she's – Olivia Bivy, y'all, is – um she is an I. Icon, and we'll get Bibby into is that an later. Icon. Bibby She's is an icon. An, an icon. Um, uh, so Kelly is typically dealing with something where that where her more personal flaws are in display. Usually, Kelly is acting in a way that is either selfish or um, has a lack of understanding or is a uh, 
a personal frustration where she's acting out in anger and that is causing distress to those around her. And Barbie comes in as the, you know, sort of saintly older sister. And in the least patronizing, least condescending, most gentle way possible, tells Kelly a morality tale (laughs) starring herself. And it's, but it's not like, but it's not, it's not, it's not not holier than thou. It's, um, it's because also she loosely based it like on on existing IP, but like, like, yeah, like, so it's like, no, no, it's almost like Barbie's like, well, it's not me. It's a princess or like it's a girl who turns into a swan that loves ballet. Yeah. And then you, so you can't really accuse her. Like even when Jesus was, you know, telling parables, it was Mm. never like Jesus being like, okay, so when I was. These are parables, aren't they? These are Barbie parables, (laughs) which I do think why Barbie and the sort of. Um, modern non-denom Christian mom community like really mm-hmm. worked hand in hand. I I mm. feel like there there was a lot of media that my um that I was not encouraged to consume as a young child because of its perceived unhealthy influence on my psyche. But Barbie was always allowed. Barbie was always accepted across the board in my in in my home and also in the homes of other. I I also think yes, the Disney princesses had like better songs, better better animation, yeah, d- definitely more films. But also, like, I do think they're a little least uh, less controversial in like feminism. Like, I do think Barbie, like what she does. I mean, I'm sure you can come at us with examples, but like, yes, there are love interests, but the guys are like around. And they're and then- never. I would say like. Never that important. I would say the only Barbie film that really has a, a a sort of like active male protagonist who's like really adding to the drama and sort of the conflict of of Barbie is Barbie Island Princess. I okay, so I watched Barbie Island Princess. Yeah, and you had a really hard time with it, and I <laughs> I respect that. So it actually, I, I do live at the end. He's like, I love you, marry me. And then they hug in yeah. like a, a very sibling way. But y'all, the, the monkey in Barbie Island Princess, I was going to send a video as like a jokey joke to Madeline of like recording just the monkey and being yeah. like, what have you made me watch? But it actually was front facing. I kid you not. I We might post it if you like you spend $50. It is very unflattering of me, but I am doing this weird hysterical laugh. Cra- it's like it's like a light panic attack. It what, really what is. Was your I, impression of it? I was like, she's a really good actress, <laughs> or she's. I've I've fully traumatized her by asking her to watch my favorite Barbie film. It. It's just that weird. It's like a. It's a syndrome where like well, you don't like some, you don't like animation. That's it's, another. You're story. very picky about I, animated works. It's, so 
Also, though, it's like Cats the movie where it was like it was a little bit too the, human. The Uncanny Valley. It's yes, it's the Uncanny Valley. Valley where like as soon as I saw that monkey, I was like, that looks like a baby. So I, I thought it. I literally my first thought was, oh, there's an enchantment where a princess was turned a baby princess was turned into a monkey. That is immediately where like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be a plot point. And there is a part where the monkey sings to her on what she should wear to the ball and i start i was cry laughing and and then real crying it was like started crying it It was like really cry laughing and then it was like panicked tears i i was laughing because it was making me cry and i was like this is um performance art (laughs) um all in the all in the name of barbie there are a few places in which like the Barbie cinematic universe gets like very meta. Mm-hmm. Um, I in your listening to the Barbie podcast, um, when they got into the films where you're no longer getting the frame narrative of Barbie telling Kelly a morality tale, which I would say is probably like w- the first third of like the the our favorite yeah, third, our favorite third, and also the one where we were like actually children for. Sure. Um, and then two thirds of the way through, I would say still good and still Barbie. I was consuming via my sister and via like babysitting jobs I would be a part of um, is Barbie as actress and Barbie as actress then going on magical quests. I when we first started talking about doing a Barbie episode, I immediately got sick with COVID and yes. my little sister and I, um, Biv, she was like, I didn't even know she was like really a Barbie fan. And I was like, oh, Barbie movies. And she was like, all right, let's go. These are my favorites. Yeah. And d- I do think the most maybe genius one is where she is the movie star. Yeah. She is the movie star. And then there is there are magic fairies her stylists are fairies and i just was like oh my this is genius it's like it gets meta worlds and i do think barbie actively has a little bit more of a like personality Mm. in these films but it does sort of make you think about how in the barbie cinematic universe not like let's say Barbie Nutcracker. Not only was Barbie playing the part of Clara in the Nutcracker film, Barbie and the Nutcracker, Barbie was also playing the part of herself talking to her sister Kelly, who was presumably just an actress. <laughs> like that was also part of We're- the film, and that was also part of well. Barbie's role as an actress. No, I feel like it might actually be more of a family affair where her sister is her sister, like casting herself. Okay. You could argue, though, that the sort of like um, Christ-like version of Barbie in Mm -hmm. the first third of the Barbie filmography is more of actress Barbie's interpretation of barbie than actual canon 
Does that make sense? Mm. Like if now that we're taking into context that the entire like first 10 films exist in the world of Barbie as films, Barbie, the actress had some sort of input into these first 10 films. And there could be a much more holier, holistic um, sort of influence over them because Barbie, the actress, um, was playing a part. I I love it's almost the first thing that came to mind is it's like it's like Addison Ray or something. Exactly. Where Barbie, it's almost like Barbie is like, this is my industry. This is the Barbie empire. Yes. And these are my dolls. These are the this. And then yes. the production company is like, Mattel is like, all right, let's make films. And then she's like, she is a producer yes. and has her hand on like, this is the image that we're going to keep. Yeah. Keep but making, also guys. in this universe, there are fairies and there is magic. Oh, damn. I know, right? And they're also like it. It expands even more because, uh, uh, like, the next couple films, like, then there are mermaids, and she like gets turned into a mermaid. And so Barbie, the actress, is now like having a sort of like adaption level, like being John Malkovich crisis, where Ooh. she is now living out uh, a sort of fantastical element. You could argue that this is actress Barbie, like maybe losing her mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually kind of like that more that really humanizes her. But to me, mm-hmm. to me, those aren't Barbie films. Those yes. are, those are like Barbie movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really great. No, that's great. And I do prefer yeah, getting the and y'all and also apparently on like Barbie Wiki and stuff is they uh, there are like sections of where Barbie super fans have split like this is the this section yeah this is the this and um the theory I'll just sum up the whole eighteen hours for you the theory that the guys I think come up with at the end is they think Barbie is dying. Mm -hmm. And so her imagination is being ignited. And these are like her final thoughts, like flash, like dreams, because dreams happen actually quite quickly in our heads. Yeah. Quite long. Yeah. And so they think Barbie has been killed. And these are the last few moments in her mind. Okay. So like, so in the Barbie cinematic universe, like arguably – someone had to be directing the first like 10 films and then Barbie is losing her mind. (laughs) Yes. And so we are sort of watching, we're no longer watching films. That's like an auteur had any sort of vision in or sort of like direction over. We are watching the sort of mental spasms of, of a, of a plastic doll I, I, it reminds me of like old Hollywood where like Audrey Hepburn is now going to come and be, it's like their vehicles written yes. for Audrey to play the role of Audrey. Yes. It's like Catherine Hepburn or Marilyn and, or, or like Doris Day. Like anything Sandra Bullock has starred in in the last 10 years. <laughs> okay, I did go because my beautiful, beautiful friend was like, let's go see The Lost City. I went. And you know what? It took me a while. I got into it. I, I feel did. I feel like I want more films like that. 
I do. It felt like a, like even from the trailer, I was like, this is a good ass time. This This, is it. This film does not take itself seriously. I'm so sick of like bird box. I'm so, I'm, I don't, I don't want that. High camp. I also think Channing Tatum is a comedic actor. Just to preface this, I um, personally am a um, heterosexual cisgendered woman. And so my experience of Barbie has not been through a queer lens. Mm -hmm. But in doing my research um, and and like in such an obvious way, um, what I found is that for young girls, especially queer young girls, um, young boys, queer young people, Barbie is kind of a queer icon and a lot of Barbie's core messaging really speaks to the queer experience. There are a few Barbie films that are like uh, people would say are like canonically so gay. Um, I only know of Diamond Castle. So Diamond Castle is like incredibly queer. Like that, that film is like lesbian cottage core oh that that film is lesbian cottage core that's my iconic little sister's uh favorite barbie film shout out to abby uh even in barbie princess and the popper the song with the cat who is a um a cat that barks like a dog and acts like a dog and feels like they are a dog um is uh the the messaging that I love you the way you are and that will never change. Like, look at, so, okay, so you're a doggish cat. Um, I wish you could see the UIC, um, uh, especially within the trans community, has become such like a comforting sort of wholesome message of self-acceptance and self-love and the idea of Barbie uh, existing in a universe where if you are not, um, you know, cis, uh, cis presenting in any capacity, uh, you would be accepted by those who love you. Like Barbie, the entire sort of idea of Barbie, the, the thesis, the ethos of Barbie, specifically in the films, I would say, is being true to who you are. Barbie really never has to change who she is. It's sort of a, a circumstance where people around her either come to their senses or are shown as antagonists when they do not support and, um, uh, I would say, allow Barbie or Barbie's cohorts to be who they are. Yeah. No, and also I think how she's different from a little princess is people don't really meet her and are obsessed with her. No. They're just a part of her journey. Yeah. When Barbie runs into conflict, it's because she's not being an authentic version of who she is. And especially, I would say that is a narrative that can speak to every person like universally but Mm -hmm. specifically with the queer experience I imagine that is such an important message and so comforting and so different in terms of the sort of broad scope of children's media that you're like barraged with when you're younger Barbie is a delightfully safe space for self-discovery and also uh, we were talking a couple days ago about how much we love being 
girls mm. and how we're mm. so glad we were born girls because Ugh. being a girl is so fun. Being a girl is so fun. And Barbie makes it's, me love being a girl so much. It's like her clothes. Like I think one of the reasons I love Barbie of Swan Lake is Ugh. just so much is because of the dress she gets a to wear with the feathers. Okay. I have to bring in something from the 18-hour thingy I listened to okay. is they do make a fantastic point that whenever anything ridiculous happens, like in Barbie, Barbie Mermaid Tale 2, the the enemy who's going to become the lover thingy, a magic fish just pops up and starts talking to her. <laughs> and she never – she because she is not aware that it's a magical realm or yeah. like – when Barbie becomes a swan in Barbie of Swan Lake, she's just like, mm, well, here I go. I'm going to go d- swim and be a swan. I guess I'm going to go be a swan now. And she doesn't have that like moment of like, what? Oh, she's just like, okay. I'm a swan. And she just swims I guess, away. I'm just going to make the best of this situation. Yeah. No one really freaks out when they are introduced to a fantastical element. I do and enjoy I- that. That is like so true. And that was a moment I really liked. And also they just pointed out that they will put a fairy into they 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 said something along the lines of like it could be a courthouse drama in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> and they would still find a way to get to a fairy in there. I think maybe as we're like wrapping this up, I think the Barbie theme is kind of like, why not? Right? <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. It, wait, she's going to be a mermaid and a fairy and a princess. And they go, yeah, why not? Yeah, like, why not? Yeah. So, um, and, and ultimately, that is so, that is so feminist. Yeah. And, and I think that what I love about Barbie is like, we don't really have to argue Barbie's feminism at all. It's not something that we've really talked about a lot in this conversation because it's like just so, as a woman, I've never felt like my like I have to like defend womanhood in the in in the Barbie universe. Like I I am so clearly championed in all that I do and and all that I want to do. I can be a doctor and a fairy and a mermaid and a mother and a movie star and, <laughs> and a movie you'll star star in the films of your own life. Yeah, bringing it back to the thesis of our episode. Whilst Barbie is not a lonely girl, I think Barbie is a very safe person for lonely girls to experience the world through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it kind of comes into doll play. It's like there's a lot of empathy there. Mm. And um, yeah, I think she is um, not a patron saint in the way that Franny is no. Francis, but I do think she's kind of like a protector. Yeah, she's a and guardian. I and I really appreciate everybody going on this journey. I of like a like a str- and this is one of the reasons this is a thesis episode because we are I- explaining and exploring what a lonely girl is through a deity who a lot of us have come into contact with. Yes. And um, our mothers have come into contact with our grandmothers. She is a forever presence and I think will Mm. always be. And she is also evolving with the times. She is. 
I've heard Barbie Dreamhouse is apparently really iconic. It's, it's really like, good. It's really funny. I love Barbie Dreamhouse. We didn't touch on this at all because I didn't really revisit it. But mm-hmm. for anyone who's like, why didn't you talk about Barbie Dreamhouse? It's really, really funny and like very tongue in cheek and totally knows what it is. Um, and is just a, an overall like a good time. And like I, Ken is like an icon. I also Ken is so I don't want to like put people into boxes. I feel really passionately about that. Yeah. Ken's gay, right? Yeah, super. <laughs> Ken's so... But also, like, I think Barbie's cool with that. I think she is, too. She wants I think- him to be, like, the happiest, best version of himself. And, like, yeah. I'm sure the time that they spent together was, like, valuable for both of them. Yeah, I think they're, like, best friends who, like, really look out for each other yeah. and just would rather be together than apart. Yeah. And that's, you know? like... That's really like all you could ever want. And relationships always look different. Yeah. It's very like Victorian. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think wrapping it up, I hope, I hope y'all know us well enough that we were never going to make fun of Barbie. Oh my How God. dare you? And um, this was a celebration. This was a celebration. Pink sparkles of hot pink. Of of just like magical girl transformation of of dresses, of tulle. Of so much tulle. Of 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 you know frame narratives of morality tales of of Christ as Uh Barbie. Um, and we really appreciate you coming on this journey with us rebecca um if they want to continue the journey um how how should they seek you on the interwebs on the internet rebecca botter um you can reach us at instagram where uh it's the lonely girls podcast yes and um yeah follow us along there um, and then the email, I believe, which don't, I don't know, just DM us. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe it's the lonely girls podcast at gmail.com. It's very confusing. Yes. Um, yes. And then there we go. That's me. What about you, Madeline? Um, if you, if, if you seek Maddie um, on Instagram, you can find me turner madeline on tiktok you can find me madeline turner and honestly if you just type that into google you can probably find all the other ones we are so happy that we've gotten to spend this time with you wherever you are in life and in the world rebecca how do we want to end the pod today i want to end the pod so as madeline famously took a phone call with her manager earlier um, I just want to tell you that you can do this. Oh, my gosh. Madeline, what would Barbie say? Barbie, what, what is the advice Barbie would give you right now? Barbie would say, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Barbie would say, I really think you can do this. <laughs> and then she would tell you a story about how a princess was once in a snow globe. She would, she would go, once upon a time, I was in Cold War era Russia. <laughs> yes. I, My uncle Vanya. 
so and then she would just start doing uh, the play Uncle Vanya. Yeah, and she would do Uncle Vanya. And somehow turn it around towards you that you can do this. I can do this. And just like Barbie, if you're just yourself, which is literally what you're the best at, is providing Madeline Turner content. Thank you, Barbie. I Thank actually- you, Barbie. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, everyone. Everybody. Um, and have a beautiful, magical rest of your day. Bye, y'all.